Welcome to Aging in Place Strategies and Answers with Linda Prio. Will it be possible to remain in my home as I age? Do I feel safe in my home? How do I figure out how much support I will need when my health needs start to change? What if I decide to move into a community instead? Which community will meet my needs now and in the future? Who will play a role in helping me with decision-making? Do you ask yourself these same questions? Aging in Place Strategies and Answers can help you gain practical knowledge that will help you create your own Aging in Place Roadmap. If you are already a care partner, a power of attorney, or in crisis mode with your Aging in Place strategy, you will learn what you need to know that you don't know. For over 20 years, I have been marketing Aging in Place services to clients and educating families and healthcare professionals in how to put aging in place strategies into place. When you utilize aging in place, you are allowed to choose where you want to live and make those decisions so that you can retain your quality of life. Hello listeners and welcome back to Aging in Place Strategies and Answers with Linda Prio. I have a treat for you today. I am with my cousin Claudia Quartero. Claudia, say hello to my fans. Hello everyone. For those of you listening today, you may hear a little bit more background noise, and that is because of where we recorded this episode, but please don't let that be a distraction to you. I think the content is very worthwhile. Claudia is my cousin. Her father and my mother were sister and brother, and as I recall, they were only about 10 months apart. It was funny, the other day when I was listening to my podcast after just talking to Claudia, I told my husband that I think our voices really sound a lot alike. So I'm going to see what you think. You can always make a comment. Claudia, could you give our listening audience a brief biography of your professional career? Well, I started out uh, teaching learning disabilities, and then I went into teaching general ed. I loved it all. Taught some ESOL and taught third grade, taught fifth grade, uh, and I, I love children. Computer lab was another area that I uh, enjoyed, and I did that for about 24 years. And then I went into teaching teachers, and that was for 14 years. And I, I worked in assistive technology as well as learning strategies and this was all for special needs students and their families and that was for around 14 years mm-hmm. so I had a good time and did a lot of different things and I know the students that had you were very blessed to have you well, thank you and my daughter is actually an early childhood teacher so who knows maybe there's <laughs> something in the gene pool there as well um, at the time that you were helping your mother as her health needs were really changing, I know you had 
two sons, still have them. Uh, but were they at home with you, living at home at that time, or with, had they already gone on to? They had already gone on to their own lives. They lived independently, they were married, and they weren't really a concern. Uh, they were self-sufficient and that kind of thing. Okay, very good. Now, Claudia lives in the southeastern part of the United States where I live in the Middle West. And Claudia had her whole family, her brothers, that could help assist her uh, with decision-making. And they took roles as best they could uh, to help both their parents through the aging process, keeping them both at home for as long as possible. Claudia's father passed first, as did mine, and then that left her mother at home trying to age in place, and that was my same situation, except for that Claudia had other uh, brothers that could have input in that decision-making where I am pretty much considered an only child. But in both of our caregiving roles, we knew when it was time to seek a higher level of care for our parents. In other words, it was time to move out of the home and into a community. Claudia, did your mother actually come to you and say, I think it's time to move into a community? My mother had been in a terrible car accident. The safety gear just made such a loud noise that she lost all pretty much all of her hearing, and it just rattled her so. She just never was really the same after the accident. And she tried to live on her own, but she couldn't drive anymore. They, they wouldn't give her a driver's license, and so, you know, she had to rely on me to get things for her. And her home was a well cared for, but there were always things need, needing to be done, and that made her anxious. So she decided that she needed to go to a senior living uh, facility, and she went to one where a lot of her friends had gone from church, and so that worked out really well. We did have some problems, though, in the transition because she was not ready to give up her things and she had to, there wouldn't be room for everything in her small independent living space. Mm -hmm. That's hard. It, when it you, was hard. Um, and especially since she was a uh, professional artist and had lots of artwork, uh, had been a teacher, and teachers are known to collect things that are precious treasures that they don't want to get rid of. And this it, is a, something we hear all the time. And she had things from her family, yes. you know, that they had over the years, and uh, it was it was difficult. What we ended up doing is telling her we were saving things for her, we're storing your things, mother, and so that, that really helped, and she was aware of what was being sold, and she was a part of that, and we had an estate sale for the things that we were not going to keep for her. That sounds like a perfect situation. And you had a beautiful mother, so yes. I can see that working quite well for you guys. That isn't the case for all my listeners that it's going to go so smoothly. But not to worry, we'll talk about mood managers in a later podcast. My mother did not say that she was ready to go uh, into an independent living community, but she approached 90 
and her sister was already living uh, in a long-term care community closer to me and I thought when my mom called and said you know they're raising my rent again and I don't know what to do I thought to myself well I think I might know what to do because I have three children at home still who were in middle school and high school and lots of activities. So at that time, I was able to find her a beautiful independent living community that matched her spirit and what she liked to do and was young and full of uh, very active seniors. So that ended up to be a good decision for her. Now, Claudia's mother was a professional artist and educator. Did she have long-term care insurance, Claudia? She did, and it uh, was used uh, to the very end, and we were very thankful to have it. <laughs> yes, and um, I wasn't sure. I knew she was a teacher, but I thought maybe she had gotten it through the district or had purchased it on her own. I kind of remembered you telling me about that. She purchased it on her own, mm -hmm. and she had a policy for both my father and herself. Mm -hmm. They both had policies. And she had caregivers in the home as well for your father when he was uh, aging in place. Right. Mm -hmm. It was very helpful. Claudia and I have talked many times about the difficulty of balancing your work and your professional life with your home life, being a mother, and working with your adult siblings, uh, plus taking those phone calls that come at all hours of the day and sometimes at night saying that you must get to the hospital or that somebody needs something right now. Several years ago, I was preparing a talk on caregiver burnout and stress and realized that I had gone through it uh, about 10 years ago. It uh, was my first experience, and I realized that I had become an expert on the topic, whether I liked it or not. And that is why I am committed to, be, to putting a caregiver tip at the end of every podcast. When I asked Claudia if she would allow me to interview her for my podcast, she consented. But I asked her, Claudia, what are the three, the top three things that you would like to tell the audience after your experience of taking care and helping your sweet mother as she aged? So these were the top three topics that she mentioned. She mentioned the importance of the visit to the community. She mentioned how important it is for the senior living community to know the resident. And the last topic is so important and something that our listeners need to hear as well, and that is how to coordinate care and include your mother in the decision-making when she can't hear. And so those are the things that we're going to talk about now. So, Claudia, the importance of the visit to the senior living community and visiting with your mother and the reason for signing in you need to be very careful to sign in every time you go in so everyone is aware that you are monitoring your loved one and you know what is going on. Uh, if anything happens to your loved one while they're there, if, if you haven't been monitoring their progress and keeping up with them, you will have a major challenge if it goes to court if you have not been observing and visiting with your loved one so always sign in and and see your loved one regularly or have someone else in the family do that uh, 
and help out with it. Or if you don't have somebody else in the family, maybe extended relatives or perhaps even a professional care manager if you live out of town can also be a a valuable part of that support system. That is true. Very good, Linda. What did you observe uh, on those visits just in general? Well, I would try to not just see her but also see her friends. And we would meet a lot of times for lunch. And this helped her because of her hearing loss I could you know share what she was trying to say and help with the communication process Uh, mother was very social and so she enjoyed it when we had our get-togethers with her friends then also I would go in her room and I would think about her wardrobe and, and go over her wardrobe with her and I would select things and let her see what I'm selecting and I'd say okay for the next week these are your some choices for you so she didn't have to look at her whole closet and I'd have things that were correct for the weather and that type of thing and it also helped the people who worked with her getting dressed and that kind of thing and I just would you know try and go over her. She had many friends who would write her. We'd go over the letters and we'd talk about mutual friends and I'd chat yeah. and, and just have fun with her. Yeah, and, and some of my role in addition to that was to let her um, say what was really on her mind that she didn't want to share with the community uh, because uh, you walk that delicate balance between being upset with some things that may not be up to what you feel should be being accomplished and my mother was a wise woman and very on top of it mentally as was your mother so just allowing them allowing us to be the sounding board for them was another thing that so I checked her over physically because I wanted to make sure especially when she went into assisted living that she was getting bathed correctly and they were monitoring her medication correctly I'd speak with the doctor and that kind of thing. You did a great job. So I'll say that right now. <laughs> you did a wonderful job. Well, You're you. a teacher, Claudia, and you know that knowing your student is very important. If you don't know your student through evaluations and assessments, you can't always guide them and lead them and help them to get the extra help uh, that they'll need or make sure that they're um, getting the right learning materials. So you also expressed uh, a similar opinion that it was very important for the senior community to know the resident. It is. I recommend putting up parts of their life on display. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people that are elderly are not seen as people. I mean, they see them as an old lady. You know, they don't realize they went to a prom, they got married, they they had children, that kind of thing. So uh, with Mother, we had her artwork on display. We had, um, she had won awards and we had that on display. We had a lot of my father's artwork. His military career was on display that kind of thing because she had had a very full life and she was a professional. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a backstory and I think that's one of the reasons why I love seniors. I love talking to them to know that backstory. And it's so much fun. It is. It is so much fun. 
but it is important because then you know how to relate to them. And in, in uh, senior care, knowing how to relate to somebody can make that care scenario go so much easier. What's the best way to approach this person? What are the words that they like, that they don't like? Um, the likes, dislikes in general. So very important for your um, community to know the resident. The last topic that you brought up I thought was very important um, and that was how to coordinate uh, communication when uh, and care when hearing is impaired. According to the National Institute of Health, nearly 25% of those aged 65 to 74 are, have some form of hearing loss and 50% of the people who are 75 and older have disabling hearing loss. Uh, your mother's hearing loss came as a result of her accident, but it very much impaired uh, her quality of life, her decision-making at times, uh, your ability to communicate with her um, as possible. So, Claudia, can you share some uh, working solutions that you and your family came up with so that you could coordinate care and include your mother in the decision making and as best you could with somebody with uh, hearing loss. Well, the hearing loss was one that happened all at once with the accident. So there was emotional trauma involved with this and it had a residual effect. Um, we tried many different assistive technology devices, hearing aids, uh, Bluetooth uh, coordinated hearing devices, and, and none of it really worked for her effectively. She just, even the assistive technology for telephones, there was always some kind of problem, but it worked somewhat. However, talking to her if you had an emergency or if you needed to get with her within a short period of time where you could not write a letter it was it was very hard because none of the assistive telephones worked with her so if you can work out something with the senior living facility where you can possibly utilize the fax machine or or work out an alternative means I would recommend that because we went through a lot of different processes and it was very challenging. What ended up happening was someone had to just ride out there to the senior living facility and talk to her face to face so she would understand. Uh, she was able to read, but we couldn't get the information to her in, in a timely manner. And I think some of us are thinking, well, gosh, you know, phones and all that, but come on. We all know that as aging happens, the ability to handle technology falls in a great big level. So by that point, even though technology had advanced, it really wasn't effective. So it was really just a blank canvas trying to figure out what to do next and how to do this. And like you said, face-to-face -face seemed like almost the best um, solution. Um, I want to let you know that Claudia is retired now 
and I am semi-retired and we are not letting the grass grow under our feet. And so Claudia has started Storytime Neighborhood, which is going to be a YouTube channel and it is for early childhood or preschoolers of any kind, doesn't matter if they're special needs or autistic or just young young people. So I want you to start watching for that. That channel is going to come online soon and we do thank you for being with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. Please subscribe and share episodes with friends and family who are currently in crisis or are ready to start developing their own roadmap for aging in place. Remember that this podcast is guidance and not advice. If you have more specific questions related to your particular situation, please reach out to me at lynda.agingstrategies at gmail.com. Join me again next week and we'll learn more.